Um, season two. You do. I would yell it. No, I can't. It's all spiky. It's like season two. Well, you can yell it. I really did yell Rune Week that one time, and it worked out fine. So, <laughs> season two. Okay, fine. There it is. <laughs> season two, everyone. You made it. You made it. This is Faded Mates, season two. Um, did you do you know Eric told me this week that um, he waits until I say welcome to Faded Mates, everybody, every week, and sometimes I think like. I think, like, last week, we didn't say welcome to Fate of Mates until, like, 12 minutes in. <laughs> he was like, fine. <laughs> anyway, we still haven't figured it out. It's season two. We still don't know how to podcast. I've got to tell you, you guys, if it wasn't for Eric, I'm not even sure we'd have had season one. We know, I know we wouldn't have. Not even sure. Do you remember we recorded the first one and we were like, it's fine. We're going to um, produce gonna this ourselves. It. And then I'm a liar, lying, lying, lies. Went to Eric and I was like, "Can you just help me understand how to edit stuff in GarageBand?" And he was like, "You need a producer." (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! And honestly, we were fools, everybody. That's like the long story short here. We were. I mean, that's not true because if uh, all the other podcasts that we love produce their own shit, we just are lazy. Yeah, and lucky well, and lucky by by lazy, lazy I meant lucky. <laughs> oh, that's what I meant too, for sure. Like, for sure. Um. Uh, so okay, it's been a few weeks that readers haven't had that listeners haven't had us specifically, but it's been like two months since you and I have recorded a podcast. I know it's wild. Um. And uh. <sighs> So anyway, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that um, we're back and I'm so glad you're back with us. And I hope many of you are back with us um, for season two. We're going to tell you all about it this episode. Um, But first, we hope that you have been reading great books over the end of your summer. We hope you had lazy days. (sighs) I know. We're in a reading slump, everybody. uh, It's the worst. I really am in a reading slump. I can't snap out of it. And here's the problem is like I've started reading a bunch of romance novels that I know are good. Yeah. And I like can't snap out of it, which I I think at some point we should talk about that, like what a reading slump really is, because I think we all go through them. But like I don't want to even name the romance novels that I've tried to read over the last month because I don't want anybody to think that I'm it's definitely a me problem and not a them problem. Right. Not the books. It's yeah. I actually feel like I might be pulling out of mine. Um, and I feel like one one thing that works for me is, well, I stopped and actually read literary fiction, which it was a book I liked. It was called There, There by Tommy Orange. But um, sometimes that helps, like, just, like, really, like, getting off the romance train entirely and then coming back to it, especially if it's, like, a sad book. You're like, oh, yes, that's not good for me right now. But inside romance, sometimes also what works for me is like switching to a different subgenre. So I read Deadly Silence by Rebecca Zanetti this week. I don't read tons of romantic suspense. And so because of that, it felt like really fresh and different. And I really enjoyed it. And now I feel like maybe I get to try some of my other things. Also, I read that real amazing dirty book by Brill Harper that you recommended to me. Yeah, Brill Harper snapped me out of a romance slump 
in 2017. That's when I discovered her. And she's so filthy and I just love it. And like the books are mm. quick and dirty and like they're not complicated and they are they don't try to do more than what they should be doing. And I just they're delicious. And so yeah, yeah. I wish that I had Brill Harper to snap me out of this. Um <laughs> but you know what? I really do love that Rebecca Zanetti book. And here's a fun fact about it. They, when they put that book out, and I forget who her publisher is, they put it out with two covers. It had a different cover in print than it did in E. Huh. And Grand Central. I'm always, I, I have always meant to sort of ask the question out loud, like, did that, was that useful? Like, did it function the way that they hoped mm, that it would function? Interesting. Um, Anyway, so if you are from Grand Central or you know Rebecca and you know the answer to that, hit me up and let me know because I think that's a really interesting – like, I do think that covers in E and covers in print do different things. Like, I think the design should be a little different. Um, And I say that as somebody who, like, has spent a lot of time over the last couple of years thinking about her own books and the covers and how they look in, like, a tiny little icon size versus big. Like, um, I've actually – you know this – I've seen the preliminary cover for Daring and the Duke, which is the next book in the Bare Knuckle Bastard series. And, like, I love it big, but, like, small. We had to make right. some t- changes. And it's really a weird world when you have to think about format when, like, I mean, when you have to think of what about what is essentially art yeah, in two vastly different sizes. That's really interesting. Have you ever listened to that? Okay, this is what that reminds me of. Has you Have you ever listened to this really interesting podcast once? It was like a single episode. I'll find it where the guy talks about how hard it is to design flags. <laughs> was that on an episode of 99% Invisible? Maybe. Is that possible? It, 99% Invisible is like my favorite podcast. Besides, It was fascinating because <laughs> he was basically like... <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, because the whole thing is like, you know, flags are often really scaled down to like a, like to an emoji. Yeah, right. Exactly. To a smaller. So yeah, that was like, it kind of reminds me of that. And Kelly talks about it all the time because she designs buttons. And she's like, you know, people think you can just slap any old thing on a button, but like the scale of it is really specific. So I'm I'm sympathetic to that being hard. It was a great book. Rebecca Zanetti was a great book. I had the paperback, actually. I think I got it from Book Outlet. I know. I saw. I saw a picture. I drunk tested and texted Jen in the middle of the night the other day, and she was like, uh, fun for you. I'm lying on my couch reading this book. And it, I only saw half the cover, and I knew exactly what the book was. And then I yelled at her and told her to tell all of you guys that I'm so good at romance novel identification that I could do it. Three sheets to the wind, as my mother would uh- now that you've Same. told everybody about it, I'm going to screenshot that and put it in show notes because it's <laughs> the funniest fucking text I've ever seen. You were like, tell everyone on Twitter. And I was like, I think if I do that, you're going to be real mad at me, Sarah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, what I realized while drunk in a bar, I, you guys, I don't, I don't go out very much. I don't know what happened, but it was a night. And I was in this bar, in this dive bar that my husband and I have not been in since 15 years ago. Um, but we were in this dive bar drinking just terrible but very strong drinks. And um, and I realized while texting Jen, while drunk texting Jen about romance novels, that if you write in all caps, which I want to do when I am drunk, uh, autocorrect does not 
function the way that it does when you are writing in proper grammatical case. Yeah. I, iPhones just are not going to – they're not auto-correcting your drunk all accounts No, texting. but then, like – so, yeah. So, anyway, this it's just a PSA. If you're going to drunk text people, do it without caps. <laughs> Eric was, like, over looking over my shoulder, and he was like, um – so, you know, you could just push the red line underneath and it'll tell you what the correct word. And I was like, I'm too busy telling her about my romance noveling. <laughs> oh, my God. That's anyway, amazing. That's life, you guys. That's life with life with me. It's I bet true. you all wish that I had your cell phone numbers now. <laughs> um, he, anyway. Okay. Uh, so, Before okay. We, it's see, wait. Oh, wait. You do yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I don't know what we're about to say. Oh, welcome to Faded Mates, everybody. Have we said that yet? <laughs> I don't <sighs> think so. Welcome, everybody, to Faded Mates. It's season Yikes. two. It is. So do you want to give a recap for our new listeners about what last season was? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, right. Maybe you're just going to tune in now and you're going to miss one whole glorious season of us talking about romance novels. So it started off with us deciding we should do a read-along podcast of Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark series. but Which then, we still think is fabulous. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you should all listen to it. And we welcome listeners who have <laughs> never read the books listening. I feel like, go for it. People did that. We thought they were awesome. Um, we, we thought they were b- bizarre. But in, like, an awesome way. But awesome. Yeah. Um, for sure. My brother was one of those people, and he was just like, blood blood blowjobs. And I was like... "I Can I tell you, I love that your brother did that. Like, I love that your brother did that. I mean, to be fair, so did Eric. And, oh, as part of our drunk texting, and this can go in the, sp- in the spreadsheets, too, he... He was also a little bit tipsy, you guys, la- the other night. And uh, <laughs> he was... He, like, launched into, kind of unsolicited, launched into a, like, loud diatribe about how, obviously, Lila's, like, reincarnated self, old reincarnated self, was in the wrong when Cian cut his horns off, and he was only 16, and she was culpable. Like, they were definitely, I was right, essentially, I was right, and Jen was wrong. Um, and you were and like, like I have- can you believe that? And I was like, well, yes, I can believe that he would take your side. <laughs> no, <Fine. laughs> I've, he's never taken my side on any other form of media. I don't know why he would start with demon horns. And But it was amazing because he was like, he was so impassioned about it. And he was like, listen, men suck. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying that. Like, yeah, most of the time we're completely in the wrong but he cut his horns off for her. He mutilated himself for her because she basically told him that he wasn't good enough when he had him. It was amazing. It was incredible. And I just want everyone to know that Eric has never read a word of Cressley Cole, <laughs> but he has listened to every podcast. So Yeah, probably more than once. He's like, I'm so tired of listening to you guys talk about it. No, it was amazing and you should listen. But every other week we had an interstitial episode where we talked about romance based on trope or theme. And the best part about that is in the beginning, if you listen to the very first ones, they were like 10 or 15 minutes long because that's what we are going to do. It's just going to be a little quick thing. But then they, of course, turned into, no, just hour-long explorations of an entire 
You're going to learn a lot about romance by listening to us, and we're funny. That's all you yeah. need to know. I also think it's important for our past listeners to understand that, like, right, that we appreciate that the early interstitials on this episode were much shorter, well, on this series were much shorter and didn't deep dive as much into why the trope worked. And so we're going to come back around to a couple of them, especially curvy heroines, because fun fact, over the summer, yeah, we pulled a bunch of data on search terms and how people are finding faded mates. And um, curvy, her- curvy heroines is like our number one search term. Yeah. So, and that was definitely a short one. And that is one I could talk about every year, probably. Yep. So, yep. fair enough. So, ultimately, we're here's where we're at. We did IAD. I've, we hear you. We've seen you guys saying, like, oh, we want you to do another big series. We want you to do Nalini. We want you to do Christine Fian. We'd want you to do Gina Schulwalter. Um, thank you. And we love you for those suggestions. But no. <laughs> I think we're done, at least for now, I think, yeah. with a full series reread. Right? I think we could say, like, yeah, for the no. next foreseeable future. Yeah. It was fascinating. Also, we're going to link in show notes to my interview with the Wicked Wallflowers where I talked about um, how Faded Mates, I think, made me a better writer. So, I mean, like, I want to thank all of you for, like, listening and listening to Jen and I noodle. Because the reality is that, like, I really think it made me a better romance writer last season. And I expect, I hope this season will do the same. Well, I think it made me a better romance critic. So I think that you and I both both feel that way. Like, there's a yeah, lot of... Yeah, benefited heavily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, that all said, this year, we're going to keep interstitials. They're not going away because we love them and we love talking to new authors and reading other books and, like, talking about what works in romance and why. Um, but every two weeks, Jen and I are going to bring you a deep dive read of A Book That Blooded Us. <laughs> I am so excited about this <laughs> idea. You have no idea. I... I'm thrilled that we were able to re- retain an homage to Cressley. Um, so that's what it's going to be. So so basically, we're going to talk a little bit this week. This is the intro episode to the series, to the season. It's going to be shorter. It won't be an hour long. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about what we mean by that, the books that blooded us. Um, so obviously, in this scenario, Jen and I are Lothair. <laughs> and these books are Ellie. <laughs> Possibly Soroya. We're not sure. (laughs) And we're going to go back and forth. Some of them we categorically adore, right? Like, yeah, the first book, the first book that we're going to read, we categorically adore. Like, there's no question that we don't love it. Some of the books we're going to read are books that like were, Jen hates this term, but seminal texts. (laughs) Um, Like, Or wait, primordial, like primordial texts for us, like books that made us love the romance genre that established some like probably kind of weird like itches that we like to get scratched when we read books. Um, And we're going to talk and many of the books we've already we have the list. It's like almost nine. It's almost. It's 22 books long, I think. I think so. But we just added another one yesterday. I don't know. We're not going to post the whole list. We're going to post them in groups so that you'll know kind of like where we're going. Um, 
But essentially, we're going to talk a lot of these books are old school romances published before 2000, before 2010. Um, And so there are going to be sort of things that we get to unpack about what the how the genre has evolved what the problematic pieces of the genre have been and still are. We're going to talk a whole lot about patriarchy and Mm. alphas and point of view. Jen's going to get very excited about point of view over the course of this series. Um, But we're going to talk about, but some of the books are new. Some of the books are books that we've read in the last couple of years. Um, And we already have an idea for season three. So we're at least in this, I think, for another two years. Um, yeah, what does it mean, the books that blooded us? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the things that as it was really an interesting, like Sarah and I, it was kind of like we were naming a baby. Like we each came up with our own list of our own list and then sort of exchange lists. And then it was kind of like what some things were the same, right? Some were like books I'd never read on her list and vice versa. Mm-hmm. We kept all the books that we'd never read. Yeah, yeah. We kept any book any book from Jen's list that I had never read and any book from my list that she had never read. And we kept most right. of the ones that were the same. Yeah, right. Um, and then there were some, like a lot of the negotiating actually was when we had the same author, but different texts, right? So yep. Susan Elizabeth Phillips, but what book are we going to do or whatever? Um, and because Sarah mm-hmm. and I are pretty close in age, I actually think a lot of the, like, I think we have a very similar like history with the genre in terms of how and when we started reading it and what that looks like. So, you know, this is would be a different list if we were 30 or a different list if we were 25 and... Um, but I think the thing that I found myself thinking about a lot as I as I made the list was that these were books that when I read them changed changed how I thought about romance and what I thought romance could do and what kinds mm-hmm. of characters romance was putting in front of me and what romance is like capable of, right? Yep. So for me, it was very much... Um, like it was a lot of books that I like read and reread were some of them. And then some are books that I have, I'm like a little nervous. I really haven't read them in a long time, but when yeah. I read them, I just remember being like, Whoa, what, what just happened? Yeah. That feels I'm really excited about that. I'm there are definitely books on my list that I haven't read in a long time. And yeah. I'm really excited about going back to them and like really unpacking why they were so, I've talked about this. We talked about we've used I've used the word id so much over the course of Faded Mates. Um, and I'm I feel like what we're about to do is get what where we saw Cressley doing this kind of like constant sort of picking at at pure id for me. We're gonna start to unpack all the ways that they- romance as a genre does that. So as you say, um, you know, these are the books that taught me what romance could do. Absolutely. And I think for me as a writer, these are the books that taught me the rules, like what a romance mm. should f- achieve for the reader. Right. Like, and I yeah. think all the time about the fact that, you know, and I say really publicly, like, it shouldn't take you longer than six hours to read my books. If it does, like, I've done something wrong. That's because all of these books are books that I can remember like staying up late to read or to like read. desperately yeah. wanting to come home from school to read. 
to um, finish, or books yeah. that I got in trouble in geography for like sticking <laughs> inside my book during class because I couldn't oh, yeah. stop. I yeah. couldn't stop. And right. why is that? And so I think some of these books are going to have like really purple prose and some of these books are going to have head hopping and some of these books are <laughs> going to have real consent questions. And oh, we for will, sure. You know, try to flag that up front, although we haven't read all of them in a long time. So yeah. um, but so we are so just my my one piece of advice as we move forward is when we start announcing the books um, that you think carefully that if you are somebody who needs content warnings that you think about like, OK, well, we'll tell you we'll tell you what the publish what the publication date is. And if it's oh. published before, say, 2000, you need to just go into it prepared for there to be yeah. potentially problematic content. I mean, not right. massive amounts of it. I don't think we've put anything on the page that is like right, truly problematic, but at least one of mine, like he walks, the hero walks right up to the line. Like there's all that ish, right? All that. I'm also really interested in like my own evolution as a reader and the way that I think about like characters and like their privilege in terms of like their racial identity or their class. Right. When I was first reading romance, when I was a teenager, I didn't really think about that stuff at all. And I think about it a lot now. Mm. So I'm really, I'm really interested in like sort of my, like the way I, the way I've changed as a reader, like reading romance. Right. Um, I think that the other thing that, that I will like say, and it feels a little like a, like a Mia culpa is part of me was really afraid to put books on the list that I haven't read in a long time. Right. Yeah. Cause it was honestly, you guys, I trust Sarah entirely, but it was even hard to send you my list. Yeah. It really felt like I was like peeling back my entire soul and showing it to someone. Yeah. And that it's beautiful. Feels... It's a beautiful soul, you guys. <laughs> OK, thank you. But it was it feels risky, right, yeah. to say, like, I loved this thing because it's hard to want to go back and then be like, OK, what did it mean about me that I loved it then or I still love it now or. Yeah, right? but I I think that's like the interesting work that romance does is like it's so personal and yet it also is a reflection on society. Yeah. And I, I think that's what we don't get enough credit for as a genre. Right. And I also think I'm very interested in all summer. I actually just wrote a piece for Kirkus about like sort of romance's history of, you know, the trailblazers thing happened at RWA. Like I, one thing I really struggle with is this feeling that like problematic content and romance gets like thrown down the memory hole, right? Like it's just problematic. So we shouldn't read it anymore. Mm. And I feel instead like, okay, it was problematic and it's part of our history. Like, let's dive into what that means and where yeah. we are with it now. And here's the thing. The question that has to be asked always is, was it problematic then? Is mm -hmm. it dealt with as problematic in the text? If it was, um, you know, and I think about the, I think about the flame and the flower all the time because I get asked yeah. about it all the time. We are not uh -huh. reading the flame and the flower. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> We're not putting you through that. Um, but like, you know, and I think I may have even said this on the podcast before, but, you know, Heather gets raped four times by Brandon, the hero, in the first hundred pages of the flame and the flower. Um, and that's unconscionable. And it 
it could not be written today. However, she never once like cuts him slack. He she calls it rape in her mind. Yeah. She calls it rape to his face. She refers to him as a rapist. Like there are these very powerful moments in the text where both the where the reader, the narrator, and the and the heroine all acknowledge the problematic behavior yeah. um, at a time in society where a husband could not rape a wife a legally. Wife. Right. Yeah. So when you have that conversation in 1972 and think about it as a book from 1972, are we vil- are we lauding right. the rapist or are we saying something about the relationship yeah. between men and women at that time? And yeah. I don't know the answer. It's just I think a worthy question. Yeah, I do, too. I also think, like, nobody says to me, nobody says now, like, reads Flame in the Flower for the first time in 2019 and is like, this is my favorite romance novel. I mean. Right. Sure. Right. For lots of reasons. Right. You read it. I mean, I think that's, I'm also just really interested. I, you know, I, maybe, I feel like I've said this before, but I'm, like, really interested in the way in which, you know, prob- like in other mediums, in TV or in movies, right? Like there's a way in which people can like watch problematic content from the past and acknowledge it's still like its role in the genre as a whole yeah. or in the medium as a whole. And I think that's I'm interested in like approaching romance that way, but kind of through the lens of like my own reading history. I think that's what season two is about, right? When we talk about books that blooded mm-hmm. us. It's it's like the best of what romance does is like, who are we, who are we as readers then and now? And then like, who are we as a genre then and now? I feel like we talk yeah. about that first one a lot. I think you and I are really interested in talking about that second one in season two. Yeah. And we are going to um, have, uh, we're going to have lots of fun with reader with listeners um this year because the books that blooded us are not the books that blooded you um and we want to hear about the books that blooded you uh and yeah. we're we're figuring out ways that we can make sure that that gets into the um gets into the season that all yeah. of your books get into the season as well um and uh so do you want to talk about what the book is that we're starting with I mean. Anybody who knows us knows it. I feel like everybody's going to – everybody's in their car right now going, we know already. We it's know. It's dreaming of you. It's Derek Craven, of course. Of course it is. Of course it's oh. Derek Craven. You guys, we of haven't talked about dreaming of you on an interstitial even, I don't think. No. I mean, we mention it a lot, but we've never talked about right. it. Right. We talk about it the way, like – People talk about Superman in comic book world. Like, everyone just knows, like, who that is yeah. and how we. Um, but we're going to deep dive. We are, we are, have reread it. Um, you, uh, Jen, for everybody, Jen doesn't know this yet, but there is a Moonstruck moment in this book, too. And I'm very excited about asking for Eric to uh, slide that in to audio. <laughs> Um, oh. Yeah, we're going to talk about Dreaming of You. It's written by Lisa Kleypas. It was published in 1994. Um, 1993, 1994, 1995 are like, there's something in the water in romance during mm. that period of time. Several of the books on our list are from that time. Um, yeah. And uh, every it feels like 
many, many of the texts that every that people point to as like the best or the um, the foundational texts of the genre of the modern genre live in that three year yeah. period. And so actually, I want to spend a little time talking about what was happening in the world then, because yeah. not right now, but during the episode. Right. During that episode. Yeah. You know what? It's also really interesting. Um, and maybe this is for next time, too. But I, I was in college and that was sort of the point at which I really switched over from reading almost all category romances to no category romances. Mm. So I think like, you know, and I didn't read as much, of course, I was in I was in college. Right. Like, I don't think I read. Yeah. I did not read Dreaming of You when it came out. I read it at some later point And I don't know when that was. Yeah, I didn't know about Lisa until, I mean, I was living with Eric. So we were, it was, we were in our old apartment. So it was probably the early, it was like the mid thousands, like 2005, yeah. 2006. That was, and I, I mean, I came to Lisa late, but I found Dreaming of You. And then I read every, I remember ordering them all from Amazon and them coming in a huge box. Like, uh-uh. and I just, and it came and Eric was like, what is this? And I opened it up and it was like 25 Lisa Kleypas books. I had spent $300 on books that you were like, I got to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think our plan is, um, you know, we'll have an interstitial. We'll start with dreaming of you in two weeks. Yeah. Next week's interstitial. Get ready, y'all. <laughs> I think then we have, um, what we'll probably do, I think we have the like the first four or five books, the order for the first four or five ready to go. And so when we announce this, I'll put in show notes, just sort of like kind of a reading order for like the first five, maybe just so people can like prepare yep. and plan ahead if that is because yep. it's less predictable, obviously, than just read the next IED. We're we're tr- we're basically switching off like vaguely. We're trying to f- sort of generally switch off between us, like books that I yeah. choose versus books that Jen choose chose. Um, and then uh, so it's Dreaming of You, and then there's an old school that I really love, and there's a modern text that I really love in that mix. And you are doing I forget what yours are, but um, so I think we'll be bouncing all around. This is going to be uh, we're yeah. It's going to be a fun season where you get to read a lot of like books that maybe you haven't read or haven't read in a long time, and we're actually going to spend some time. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, but I feel like both of us really want to dig deep on why romance does the work that it does, like what what that work yeah. is and how it achieves that work and how and does it all yes. at the same like in this way where we still feel like this primal delight in the reading. I, I think um, it's not always the case, but a lot of these books are also like foundational, right? I mean, you're saying seminal, fine, but foundational in the sense that we still see like the echoes of it in books today. And when that's relevant, we'll, yeah. we'll sort of talk about that too. So yeah. it's really, it's not the history of romance because that's like too big for anyone to tackle, but and it's not the canon because we hate that. No. No, and it's it's not the canon. It's it's at all, right? It's like really it's like pretty you eclectic, guys, I would say. There are thousands of you out there right now listening to us. Thank you so much. And uh you're gonna see a little bit more of Jen and me, I think, this season than you did last season. Except for yeah. Rune Week. You saw a lot of me on Rune Week. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I think 
hopefully I think to, you know, I think we're both really, I think we're proud to be romance readers and I'm very interested in us like as romance readers, like both taking an honest look at our history, but also Mm -hmm. like talking, right? Like this talking about like what it does really well. And so it's kind of like, what is romance doing through two people who love it deeply? I think that's kind of, yeah. you know, we talk about books that blooded us. I mean, that's real. Like these are books that really like moved me in some way and changed me as a reader in some way. And, you know, I think that, I'm really interested in how that all works like in the genre as a whole, because the genre is too big for any of us. So it's like, how do we swim around in this whole big ocean that is romance? Yeah. Well, and I think we're going to do this warts and all style. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously just as we did with IAD, like we called, we called IAD out when we saw things that we didn't approve of in it. Um, and I, and I expect that we will be doing even more of that now because of the time periods that we're tackling. Um, but I also think like one of the things that we want to be very aware of is, uh, you know, for a lot of readers, um, especially readers who are newer to the genre, um, there's this sort of sense that like we have to throw, we have to burn the books that that started the genre because of all the content, because of content issues. Yeah. And like, we don't have to burn those books because they, they no. really are formative texts. They're primordial texts. And everyone's primordial texts would be different, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think because, well, We'll talk about it as time goes on, right? I think that right. we're really... But uh, no, ki- there, there's no shame in your... What we're getting at here is there's no shame in it. You guys love the books that you love, the books that blooded you. We want to hear about them. We're going to tell you about the books that blooded us. And we're all going to have a little moment, <laughs> probably every episode, where we're yeah. like, please, please don't judge me, but I love that part. And like, that's... Yeah, right. And I want to... I want to dig into that like why do we love those parts so much is it is it like is it biology is it patriarchy is it right sexy i don't know i don't know what it is Uh, i don't either so we're gonna get there it's gonna be really fun i'm excited yeah the fact that i was afraid to send you my list I think really, like, I, I don't want to be ashamed of anything. I anymore. know. The, the fact that you would think that I would ever judge. Right? And here's the thing. I literally, I'm, I totally understand. And I, like, went over and over my list, too. And I, what's fascinating about it is, like, in you and I, I don't think you and I have ever heard anyone say, like, that's my favorite romance novel and judged them for it. I mean, like. Oh, Yeah. No. Aside from, you know, Nazis or slave owners, right? Like, that's... Sure. Your favorite books, and these are, like, a lot of these are our favorite books. The books we... Jen always talks about, like, books that she keeps coming back to. Your favorite books are... It is, like, showing, you know, warts and all. Um, Yeah. And so I'm I'm super duper excited uh, because I think it's going to be a really great conversation. I can't wait for you all to start reading. Um, and there is there is definitely we there is a lot to chew on in these books. So if you have never read Dreaming of You, go now to your nearest bookstore slash library and get it done because Derek Craven mm. is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what?
what? If Derek Craven is not your dream, I hope you'll still stick around. Right? Yeah. Like, just like there's no shame in what you love, there's also has to be, like, no shame in what you dislike. No, so it's true. So I guess true. I'll just throw that out there. Feel free to not like it. <laughs> I mean, there are people who don't like Rune. I don't know. I don't understand them. But... <laughs> Fine. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Craven. no, and he's a really Derek is a really um Derek Craven is one of those heroes who like in 2019 is a different experience. I imagine reading him. Oh for yeah, the first time. But I love him. I mean, it's 25 years ago, right? 25 oh, years. God. 25 years. Pay attention to Lisa's like as you're reading, just like revel in the way Lisa crafts a sentence is what I'm going to say. Oh, God, yes. Mm. All right. You guys are so excited. There's that. Next week, we're going to have a rage interstitial for those of you who, you know, love to hear us rage. Oh, yeah. And and, um, we'll be back in two weeks with with Dreaming of You, Derek Craven, uh, casino owner, and Sarah, his writer lady love i mean like right there are you surprised this is my favorite romance novel or one of them (sighs) love anyway um thanks so much everyone it's season two we're super excited to be back in your ear holes and uh don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and uh, say hi to us on Twitter at Faded Mates, on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. Come see us at, fat, at fadedmates.net. Um, and also yeah. stay tuned for the full list of the first like five or six books that we're going to read. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll post that on Instagram and on Twitter and in show notes and on the website. And uh, what else? Am I forgetting anything? No. I think that's it. Oh, go find something amazing to read. And then, for God's sakes, tell us about it. You're our slump busters, everybody. Yeah, slump, uh, slump bust us. Okay. Bye.